Ireland is a busy, bustling, modern country. But did you know that people have been living on this island for thousands of years? Have you ever wondered how it became the Ireland we know today? What happened along the way? And who were the people who made history? We could find out, but it'll involve a bit of travel. And I don't mean a bus or a train. Welcome to Time Travels, the programme where we explore Ireland's past, from ancient times to the time of your great-great-grandparents. Are you ready? Hold on. I'm not quite sure where we're going to land. Okay, it looks like we've travelled back about 2,000 years. This is Ireland in the time of the Celts. There's someone over there who could tell us a bit more. Come on, let's go. The right bush, but no berries. Oh no, this is awful. What am I going to do? I don't want to get in trouble again. Oh, hey, sorry. I nearly ran right into you. Thing is... I'm kind of busy. The warriors will be back any minute now. And do you know what I'm doing? Berries, that's what. They told me to gather berries for the feast, for the druid. You try it. Just can't seem to find the ones he wants. Wouldn't want to let him down though, because, well, he's the druid. You don't want to mess with the druid. My friend A told me that his cousin's friends knew a woman who once stole a torque from a druid and he put a curse on her and she got a fever and she got all covered in white spots and then she turned into a fox. True story. Anyway, come on, you can help me. What we need are the red berries that grow on these kind of bushes. These ones here. But just don't mix them up with the darker ones or you'll poison us all. I should have come out earlier but Leah was showing me how to swing a sword really low so that it cuts right through someone's belly and the guts all pour out. Not easy. The sword is made of iron, really heavy. I didn't want to stop practicing until I had it just right. Thing is, I'm going to be a warrior someday. Leah says that I'm already pretty good, but I want to be even better because my foster father is one of the best warriors in the clan. You see, I don't live with my real parents anymore. I was fostered when I was about seven years old. My parents live a few miles from here. They sent me here to learn how to be a warrior. And because, well, it's just the way they do things. Some children go to live with a different family when they're about six or seven. Yeah, of course it's hard. I wouldn't tell anyone else this, but I used to cry myself to sleep every night when I first came to live with my foster family. They're nice and all, but I missed my mum and dad. I'm used to it now, though. Anyway, Leah taught my foster father to fight when he was a boy, too. She taught most of the warriors. A lot of the women in the Bali are pretty handy with the sword. They don't usually go into battle, but they could if they needed to. Found one. 
My foster father will be coming back from the battle soon. I can't wait. This year, I'm hoping I'll be allowed to stick around for the whole feast. I'll always remember the last time the warriors returned. They were gone for days and days, and we all started to worry a bit. No one said anything, but everyone was kind of quiet, you know? But then it was early one morning and I was still asleep in the hut. I had the wolf skin right over my head to keep warm. Gets pretty cold when the fire goes out. So I didn't even hear my foster father come in. When I opened my eyes, the first thing I saw was him standing over me with a big smile on his face. And you won't believe this, but in his hand, he was holding the head of Ardol by his hair. Ardol was the chieftain of our enemies, and the best thing was, I was allowed to help put Ardol's head on a sharp stick for the feast. It was actually quite heavy, and one of the eyes was half open, and the blood had all sort of congealed around the bottom of his neck, all sticky, and, well, you get the picture. It was pretty gross. It's them. They're back. I better go. Thanks for the help. It's good to be back in Ireland today. I don't know about you, but I want to know a bit more about the Celts. Ask an expert. I'm John Paul Coyle. I'm the Living History Manager at the Navin Centre in Fort in Arma. Where did the Celts come from? The people believe the Celts came from northern Spain. So if you've ever heard of a city called Bilbao and the Basque region, they believe they came from that part of um, Spain and they travelled north and they were known as the Milesians and when they arrived here there were giants and the people who lived here were called the Danan and they were petrified of them so the two choices they either had to fight and be killed or hide and survive so they went underground the original people who lived here and that's the fairies that we believe in today who live in fairy trees and stuff like that and so we are believed to have descended from these Milesian people so really we have come from northern Spain and they think they came via a place called Cornwall and Wales and then arrived in Ireland that way what did the Celts look like? The Celts looked pretty much like us. They, um, they loved to eat meat, so they had a very rich meat-based diet, so they loved pork. So they wouldn't have had sausages like we would eat today, but they would have had a lot of pork and a lot of deer. And so because they had so much meat, it actually made them quite tall. So they found some bog bodies, and these people were about over six foot tall. So they were very tall people. They also were quite uh, dark-haired, so dark-haired and blue eyes, and they weren't as pale as a lot of Irish people are today, and redheads and blonde people were quite rare. So if you've read her, you would have been really respected during the time of the Celts. What did the Celts do for fun? Oh, they done loads of stuff for fun. Um, probably a lot of you who are listening love playing hurling. Well, hurling was a big sport the Celts loved to play, and of course, one of the most famous hurlers was Cahullin, and he got his name by killing the Hound of Cullen, using his hurl and slither. Oh, he was a ferocious warrior, so he loved to play hurling. They loved having fun like we do today, and messing about, and practising being warriors. So pretty much like we do today, we're... A lot of you have probably practiced being um, like Conor McGregor, doing all your MMA moves. Well, 
boys and girls thousands of years ago as Celts would have practiced being like Cahullin. So having fun and just mucking about. What weapons did they use? Use loads of weapons, so they used swords. Swords during the Celtic time were very strong, but very brittle. So they would have actually couldn't have struck a sword against a sword. So they would have used swords and shields. They would have used fighting spears. They would have used shields as well and um, slings. So slings a piece of leather that you could have put a weapon inside and you could fire it and it could cause your enemy's brain to explode. So they were pretty cool kind of weapons to use and really gruesome. So the, it wasn't for the faint-hearted going into battle. But one thing about being a warrior during the Celts is that you had to fight naked. So you would have had to paint your skin blue, like a colour of a warrior. You gnashed your teeth, you screamed and roared, and you really petrified your enemy. So your hope was your enemy would run away because life was very valuable. So though you wanted to fight, you didn't want to kill people. So um, yeah, it would have been fun being on a battlefield thousands of years ago. Why did the Celts come to Ireland? We don't know because there's no writing. So nobody actually put an explanation why they came to Ireland. Ireland is a very fertile place. It's a very beautiful place. Um, although we're on the edge of Europe, we're still very connected to it. So there may have been trade links already uh, between Ireland and maybe Britain and, and continental Europe. Um, so maybe they thought there was great gold to be had here. Also, people were nomadic and moved. And so this was the edge of Europe. So you can't get any further than here. So maybe they just wanted to come on an adventure and love the land and wanted to settle here and live here. But... I don't know that answer. If the Celts didn't write anything down, how do we know they really existed? That's a really good question, and it's a question that I scratch my head about as well, because some people can jokingly say they could have been aliens and they landed on a spaceship. We've no way of knowing. But there's archaeological evidence um, from the past. There's finds of little bits of clothing, pottery, their houses, jewellery. Um, some really important finds in, in national museums, like the Loch Nashade Horn, which is from Armagh, and you can find the National Museum in, in Dublin but also um, the stories and the myths and legends that were passed down by word of mouth and we still know them today from all those years ago. And you can, of course, come and visit us here at Navan and you can see a proper Celtic Iron Age site. What language did the Celts speak? They would have spoke um, Gaelic, but it would have been slightly different to how we, we speak today. So you would say it's like old Gaelic. The Irish language existed then as, as it exists now, but there would have been dialects. So, you know, I'm up here in County Armagh and we speak a slightly different type of Irish to someone who lives in Cork or in Kerry so more than likely the, the dialect would have been slightly different but still the same language. What beliefs do they have about the afterlife? They believe that when you died um, life didn't end so that life was like a circle if you look at Celtic artwork it's always circles that have no beginning and no end and so they believe that you were born in this world and you lived your life and then you died and you were born again into the other world and you became a part of nature you went into water and into the skies and into trees but you lived your life there and then you died and then you came back to this world. So they did believe in an, in an afterlife and when you died there was gifts left to the gods like pottery and different bits of jewellery and stuff like that. So yeah, they had great belief in, in the afterlife. We're here at Navan Fort, an ancient Celtic monument in Armagh. John Paul's going to show us around. Come on. So we're outside um, our visitor centre at Navin and we're taking a walk along our path and we're in front of a replica Iron Age house. And this is a house that people would have lived in during the, the time of the Celts. So it's a circular house and it's built out of willow and hazel and it's got a reed thatch roof and it's, um, it's quite pointed and it's circular in shape. Again, as I said about how they believe that life had no beginning and no end, circles were really important. 
Surrounding it, we have a, a fence called a palisade, and that was to keep your enemy out, but also attacks, because during the Iron Age and during the Celtic Age, Ireland had wolves. So although they would have been quite frightened of people, they still may have got hungry and they might have wanted to attack your animals. So inside the palisade, you would keep your cows, which is the most valuable thing you own. And then out here in the grounds, we have our willow fences, which is just to show... Um, you know the boundary of our land and we have circular enclosures and that's where we would keep pigs and sheep and that's where they would have their young but at the moment um, they're all bedded in for the winter so it's a very comfortable place to be and uh, it's a very comfortable house so it's cold out here but when we get inside there's a lovely fire going and you'll really feel the warmth of the dwelling and see how the Celts would have lived during the, the winter time when it's very cold So we've got a very small door and the reason it's a small door is that the Celts wanted to keep their enemies from attacking their houses so you had to bend down to get inside which means if you weren't welcome they could use a big sharp sword to chop your head off but also there's a single wall above it which allows light into the dwelling and fresh air and also means you can see outside if any animals are coming to or have got lost or need to be brought in or they can see who's coming to visit. So just watch your head as you come in because it's very low and we're inside and now all of a sudden you can feel the warmth of the fire and you can see how the fire lights up the dwelling. It's a circular building, as I say, and it's all willow and hazel. And in between the walls we have straw. And this is a job for boys and girls. Young children would be used to stuff the walls every so often because birds might pluck at it or mice might want to take some to build their nests. So children come along and re-stuff the walls for their mummies and daddies. We have sheepskin on the floors that you can sit on, but also you can sleep on. And there's a bed in the corner and that's where the whole family would have slept. And the reason everybody slept in the one bed was to keep warm. Because at night time the dwelling can get cold because the fire can die down and people would get sick. So all the adults would sleep on the outside with the children on the inside to keep you nice and warm. And if you look up at the roof you'll see there's no smoke hole. And that's because these dwellings had no smoke hole. Because if there was one the fire would go up very fast and it would leave the edge of the thatch red hot. And then a spark would travel up and touch it and set the dwelling on fire. So being closed, the smoke sits above our heads and then you can hang your meat up to preserve it because the Celts didn't have a fridge. So they needed a way to keep their food to last throughout the winter. So they smoked it. So if you like um, smoked ham or salami or pepperoni, that's the kind of flavour you would have had if you lived during the Celts. Or even smoked cheese, they would hang up there and then they could cut it down and eat it when they're hungry. Again, it's very pointed roof and that's for strength and stability. So it's completely different to your houses. One thing we don't have in here, there's no bathroom. So everybody comes along and always says, well, where did they go to the toilet? Well, you have to use your imagination, but there's a river nearby, which is very handy if you had to go. Um, also, there's no electric. So for entertainment, they would have sat and told stories or the children would have learned how to um, make weapons or learn new skills. And of course, they were always busy preparing food. And in the corner here, we have a new gizmo for them and it's called a quern, a quernstone. And this was to grind barley. And if you listen, you can hear it turning and that's grinding flour and every day they would have had to get their barley grains and they would have to crush them to make a flour and that's how they made their bread. So you can't go to a shop during the Celts, there was no shops, you had to make everything yourself. So the children were always very busy and they never really had a lot of time to mess about. But they still would have had enough time to have fun. So I don't know about you boys and girls but I quite like my life today. I don't know if I'd want to live as a Celt 2000 years ago. Did you know that the Celts put lime wash in their hair to make it yellow and spiky, like ancient hair gel? 
Weird, but true. So, we're at the top of Navenfort now, and Navenfort overlooks really the whole area um, that we're standing in of Armagh. So we can just see in the distance Armagh City, but also we can see the wider countryside. So we can see right over to uh, parts of South Armagh, County Monaghan, uh, into County Tyrone. And uh, it's just a really vast area that you can see. And so it sort of shows the importance that this site had. Um, in 95 BC, they built a temple here, which was 45 meters in diameter. So it was a huge wooden temple. And they filled it with rocks from all over Ulster. And then they had a huge ceremony where they burned it down, covered it with limestone, and then covered it with earth. And what we're standing on top today is what the people over 2,000 years ago left. We still don't quite know why did they burn this huge temple, but some people believe that it was a fire sacrifice. So thousands of years ago, people had a great belief in gods and goddesses, and they were petrified that if they didn't please them, bad things would happen to them. So if it was really wet all the time, they'd make a sacrifice to the sun god. So we think that it may have been terrible rain for quite a long time and so they built a huge sacrifice to a sun god in the hope that he would shine upon them and their crops would grow. So today if we have um, an eclipse of the sun, a lunar or a solar eclipse, people thousand years ago would have been petrified because they thought the gods were angry whereas today we now know that it's a natural phenomenon. So that's one of the reasons we think the temple was built but even before that there's a great history here. The great warrior Cahullin lived here, his uncle the great king Conor McNessa lived here there was chariot racing took place in this site um, along our, our banks and ditches and this place got named after a goddess called Maha and so Navan in Gaelic means Ion Maha, the twins of Maha Arma means Ard Maha, the height of Maha so this site is associated not only with ritual and sacrifice but also gods and goddesses and royalty So not only are we able to look over Arma city itself but there's two really important sites here just in front of us is a lake and it's called Loch Nashade and that's where the Loch Nashade trumpets came from and you can see one in the National Museum in Dublin and they were found in the 18th century. There's three of them but unfortunately only one survived today. But behind us we're overlooking another site called the King's Stables. Now you think, oh stables, this is where they kept horses but sadly not. This is the only man-made ritual pool that was built in the British Isles and thousands of years ago human sacrifices would have took place there. Why did they do that? Well, it wasn't because they were overly gruesome. They believed that to please the gods, you had to give a good offering. So if you were a really strong young warrior, you may have been made as a sacrifice to the gods in the hope that the gods would then look after the rest of the community. But there was nothing to be frightened because they believed in the other world. And so they knew that person would die and go there and have a good life. They weren't that nasty. Although the Celts didn't write anything down, there have been many stories told about them, and Celtic mythology is a very big part of Irish culture and history. This is a story about a mighty king. I'm Cruher MacNassa, King of Ulster. A story about a skilled hurler. That's me. I'm Satanta. And a story about a vicious hound. Um, uh, a vicious hound? <laughs> Satanta was the king's nephew, and he dreamed of one day becoming a great fighter and joining Crahor MacNessa's band of trainee warriors, the Makra. The Makra were the strongest, the bravest, and most skillful young men in all of Ulster. They were kind of like rock stars. <laughs> 
I could totally join the Makra. So Satanta set out for Awan Maka to prove to his uncle the king that he was a worthy candidate. He brought with him his hurley and a slither, as you do. When Satanta reached the fort, he noticed a group of young men outside playing hurley. Hey lads, can I join you? I just happen to have my hurley with me. Satanta joined the young men and soon showed that he was quite the player. He's fierce good he is. Unbelievable. God, did you see what he did there? <laughs> oh, look at that. That's incredible. That'd kill me if I tried that. However, the young men soon became angry that Satanta was better than them at hurling. The head oh on him. Oh, the Who does he think he is? Who does he think he is? He thinks oh he's dead. Oh, my God. Like, he's a joke. So they decided to attack him. But the young men were no match for Satanta, who fought each of them bravely and won their respect. Fair play to you. Yeah, yeah, sorry man. Don't know what happened there. That yeah. was really good. Yeah. It turned out that these men were actually members of the Makra, and when they told the king of Satanta's bravery, he decided to let him join. Okay, okay. You can join the Makra. I'm going to a feast at Collins for tonight. And I suppose you should come along to that too. Satanta wanted to play another game of Hurley, so he said he would follow his uncle to Cullen's house. Whatever. So King Grahor made his way to Cullen's home and went in to enjoy a little light supper. <coughs> Everything seemed to be going well, but there was a problem. Grahor had forgotten that he had invited Satanta to Cullen's home. When Cullen asked if there was anybody else coming, Grahor said there wasn't. So Cullen put his vicious hound outside to guard the fort. When Satanta finished his game of hurling, he made his way to the fort of Cullen. There, there, uh, nice doggy. Satanta was carrying nothing except his hurley and slitter, so he did what he had to do. He raised his hurley into the air and smacked the slitter right into the hound's jaw. <laughs> Grahor and Cullen heard the noise and rushed outside to find Satanta with the dead hound. Cullen was furious. My hound! You killed me, hound! Really sorry, dude. But Satanta had a plan. Okay, listen. I'll train a new hound for you to be just as scary as this one. And in the meantime, well, I'll protect your fort. I'll be your hound. And so that is how Satanta became Kukulun. Ku means hound, and so Kukulun means the hound of Cullen. From that day on, Satanta was forever known as Kukulin. It's over 2,000 years since the time of the Celts, a mysterious people who made a big impression on this island. A lot more has happened since then. Today, Ireland is a modern country filled with the sounds of noisy cars, buses, mobile phones, televisions. But if you listen really carefully, 
you might just hear something else. So, where do you want to go next? The programme was funded by the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland with the television licence fee. If you enjoyed this show, Series 2 starts on RT Junior Radio on the 14th of April. Tune in live at 7pm or listen to the podcast from the RT Junior Radio podcast feed. Available wherever you get your podcasts.